What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be on this program. It's so much fun because I've watched you before on different people, never thinking like I would one time be on there. So it's a real treat for me. Well, that always makes me feel super flattered when someone says they are excited to be on my podcast because I'm just like chugging along doing it. And you, you know, like when you're doing something in your own lane, you don't ever really think that anyone else cares, even though I know they do, but absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I, think you are fabulous in so many ways. You're first off gorgeous, which I don't know how you're looking so gorgeous during COVID all the time. I mean, you look so good. Curled hair, makeup with spray tan. spray tan and a beanie work wonders. But I mean, but you have to keep the spray tan up. How often do you spray tan? Well, it's just the, it's the um, undressed tan. It's just like a lotion I rub on. Not as even a spray tan. It's just a rub on lotion. Jess Southern, is that her yes. brand? It's awesome. Is it awesome? It's amazing. The medium, she just came out with like a medium dark one and I just put it on Sunday night and it kind of lasts through the week. So just after showering, I just put it on Sunday and I'm good. <laughs> okay. So really quick question about rubbing a spray tan because it's actually good information to know. Yes. Do you do like full body or do you just do like arms, legs, face? I go full naked. I get out of the shower, dab myself off. Listen, if this is get real, like I'm yeah. just going to be real with you. Yeah. I mean, I have seven children. I have no shame anymore. Um, <laughs> just straight on naked, a glove, and you just rub it on your skin. And then I use the leftover on my face. And it just gives you like that little like, was I at the beach? Um, you know, it's just perfect. And it doesn't, you don't feel like you get splotchy or anything? No, hers I don't. And hers doesn't transfer either. So it doesn't rub off on your clothes and it doesn't rub off on your sheets or anything. So you can actually put it on in the morning too. And it's fine. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> okay, so undressed is what it's called. 
Undressed tans, yes. Man, and if y'all don't follow Jess Southern, you should. Like, her ads for this, I'm like, dang. She's, like, full nude, laying down, like, full tan body. I'm like, she's had a baby and stuff. I'm like, dang, girl, you look great. I mean, that's how I feel about you. You've had seven kids. Oh, I don't know if you birthed all of them, but you have seven kids. Are all right, so I birthed. So I only adopted one. Okay. I have seven total. Um, but I also, I had a stillborn daughter as well. So I have birthed seven. I've had five C-sections, one natural delivery, and then one stillbirths. And I've been pregnant though, total of 10 times. So I've had three miscarriages, one stillbirth. So that's four, six I've birthed myself by a C-section and then the one natural. And then I adopted a little boy who I breastfed. That's how kind of we started talking was I was, you were breastfeeding and I had breastfed my adoptive baby and my bio baby at the same time. And I think that's when I first reached out to you because you were asking for breastfeeding advice. And I had breastfed all seven. I was like, let me, let me give you some secrets. <laughs> so is your adopted son and your youngest child, are they the same age? They are. My five youngest are all 18 months apart. So when I found out we were adopting, I was still breastfeeding a 13-month-old. And I said, well, I'll just hang her on and we'll just see if I can carry that milk over and by the grace of God, it worked. And so he was born and his birth mother handed him to me and she gave him a little colostrum. And then I followed with the breast milk and my body just knew what to do again. It was just like fully engorged all over again. Like I thought, I didn't even know if it would work because, you know, breast milk for toddlers or, you know, she was 13 months. So it was, you know, we were weaning um, was different, but it's just a good, amazing experience. Okay. This makes me emotional. I already feel like I want to cry and we've just started <laughs> Wow. How did you guys decide to adopt when you already have six kids and you already have a young baby? Like, how did that come about? How did that get put on your heart? How did that get put in your life? So my backstory, I had two children with my first husband. I got divorced when I was 27. My kids were only like one and two. And then I remarried my husband, Nolan, and we had five little girls together, including the girl that I lost. And so I had five babies in five years. And then just something in the back of my head was always, I just wanted to adopt. I was always very, um, I always worked and volunteered in the adoptive community, women in crisis, women who struggled to keep their babies, things like that. And so it was always just kind of one of those things. I always say adoption is really a calling. Um, and then I just happened to have a friend who was an OBGYN and she called one Christmas three years ago and said, you know, there are essentially, I think there were six black baby boys that didn't have matches. Um, and they were bo being born in the spring, which I didn't even know that was even possible. I was like, how does that even happen? I thought people waited forever. And um, we were living in Florida at the time. We just recently moved to Tennessee. And so, you know, I got off the phone and I was like, of how many? Yes, of course I am interested. And my husband, of course, was like, you're nuts. He knew he knew that this was always on my heart. And I'm fortunate that he is. Um, he wanted a son and we couldn't, you know, after five girls, I think God was saying, you know what, this is not your plan. And after, you know, five C-sections is rough. And so by Easter we had him. And so it was just kind of divine intervention that kind of, I was, you know, weaning the one baby off and then there was a call and then it just all happened. So I think it's really, I don't have another word for it other than you just kind of know, like if you want to adopt a baby and you are capable of parenting another child born to another woman, you just know that that's something in your heart that you can do. Wow. I mean, <laughs> you say this so quickly, so naturally, so easily, but what 
you have experienced as a mother. Like I, I literally feel so emotional right now. I feel like I need to like break down some of this and just talk about it because how, how did you know you're capable of raising all these children and has it, what has the experience been like adopting versus having? And one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on is lots of reasons. You're amazing, but you're such an advocate for testing your children. Cause you have children who all your children are so smart and making, like I was watching your Insta stories and they're all like making straight A's and all this stuff. But you're like, I have them all tested. And I have like, I have some who are, above average, some who are average, some who have learning disabilities. So I guess when you have seven children, does, is it just sort of, is it, cause like sometimes when people adopt, it's such a big deal because like, this is maybe like their one or two child, you know, like they have one child and maybe adopt another, but you are adding a seventh to the mix of six already. Does it just flow right in or what is that process like? I think it does. And, you know, you know, when I, I was only 24 when I first got married and it was 25 when I had my oldest. So I have right now a freshman at the University of Alabama and I have a kid who is potty training, you know, so I have this big gap and I never intended on getting divorced, obviously. And I certainly didn't start off saying, oh, I'm going to be the girl who has seven kids that just never it just didn't happen. And so, you know, once I got remarried, I knew we would have some and some we planned and some were a few surprises. And so. I think after I lost my daughter, Elizabeth, I was just grateful for whatever came my way. And I think once you get to three and four, you are already outnumbered, sort of. And it's no longer man-on-man coverage. It's more like zone coverage. And so you develop a system of what works in your family. And so for me, and, and I told you, I have a master's degree in education. So I had some kind of foundation of what works, how to get kids to study, um, positive reinforcement behavioral techniques. So I had that. So once, you know, baby six came around and baby seven came around, it was kind of like, you know, it's just adding to the flow. It's just more mac and cheese. It's a little bit more scheduling. It's having a master planner. It's, it's those kind of things. I don't think it, it wears on me any more than the others. I mean, obviously five under five was kind of rough at one time, but you know what else is rough? Teenagers are rough. Like going through teenage girl drama again, that's really rough. You know, having elementary girls fighting over stupid things, that can be rough. And so I think developmentally, you just kind of, you know, chug along with these different developmental stages and you learn, you learn to cope and whether, you know, biological adopted for me, there was no different. And I explained it, you know, and I've said this before, and I've done some interviews on adoption before, because there's typically one parent that drives adoption. And typically that's women. Statistically, that's women. And so when my husband and I were discussing it, I said, you know, there's something that and it's a different because my, my husband has stepchildren too. And he said, you know, how, how is the difference? How do you love another child? How do you know? You know, with stepchildren, I feel like, you know, they have a father, you know, you know, they're taken care of, you are kind of this bonus influence in their life. When a woman gives you her child, and that is all you know, that is all that baby knows as you as the mother and him as the father, that instinct just kicks in to just be like, you are my baby. I am your mother. And this is how it goes. And I think for me, there is no difference. I would throw myself in front of a car for any one of my children. And I think when you are just given that opportunity, it's just really like, that's your baby. Wow, Jenny. (sighs) (laughs) So I've had one miscarriage and it was Mm -hmm. early on and it, God, why am I crying already? (laughs) 
I know. It, it, it wrecked me. Like it right. wrecked me. And right. How did you um, make it through Elizabeth? It was rough. Oh, sorry. And it's funny because it was just the anniversary of her passing on the 6th of December. So Christmas is always rough because I remember I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I had to go in and deliver a child that I knew I was not taking home. And then I had to have a funeral for her. Yeah. And I have lost babies at various points before, but this one was obviously harder. And I think I didn't know at the time, like I know, like I spent the first two weeks in bed. Like I just, I, I remember thinking to myself, this is not happening to me. Like this, I remember laying in my bed, like this is, this has to be a dream. This is not happening to me. And then, you know, two weeks in and I got some counseling and I think I even was on a little antidepressant at Wellbutrin or something to just get me because I had other kids to care for. Yeah, yeah. But then ultimately that made me a better adoptive mother. And it made me, had I not lost Elizabeth, my daughters, Maggie and Charlotte would not have been born because the timing right. would not have worked out. And I always say that maybe that was the bigger plan somehow that knowing what it's like to leave without a baby in a hospital makes me be more empathetic towards birth mothers because I know that pain. And so for me to share information with a birth mother is no skin off my back whatsoever because it's like, I wonder now, okay, Elizabeth would be eight. What would she look like? And so when I have the power to send a couple of emails a few times a year to the birth mother to say, this is what he was for Halloween. This is what his Christmas gifts were. Like for me, that comes from the pain of that loss. And so I think for me, there was purpose in that pain. And I didn't know it, but now that I'm older, it's kind of like when bad things happen, I try to think, is there a bigger lesson to learn somewhere down the line? And so that's, you know, I try to tell people who have, are experiencing loss now, you know, you honor that baby and you talk. My other children know that they have a sister named Elizabeth in heaven and we talk about her and we hang ornaments on the tree for her. But they also know that, you know, that's that's just the way it happened. And Maggie knows that she's named after her and you just make it a part of your your life and your family instead of I didn't like it was a loss I didn't get to keep, you know, wow, yeah, she's still with me. So in counseling, I learned you talk about her, you give her a voice and her voice is my voice. And so I think that's how you learn to, to move forward. So you, because I have had a couple friends who have um, lost their babies at birth and it's, Oh God. But like you have um, moved in. I'm sorry. I'm so emotional. This like, you no, it's okay. it's so powerful. You moved into just taking ownership of this is how it was. Elizabeth, this was her journey. Like, I'm going to honor it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to bury it down deep in my heart and never talk about it and just like live with that pain for myself. You decided to share her story in her life. Right. And we had, and it's funny because even my mother, my mother is like kind of very conservative. She goes to church every Sunday, but you know, things in that generation were not talked about. Like if you lost a baby, you didn't talk about it. So even my own mother was kind of like, I don't know why you're sharing this stuff all the time. You know, like she just didn't understand why. And for me, it was kind of healing in a way where, you know, at the time, you know, I had five daughters. One 
did not, one did not make it, and, but I have five daughters. And so when we decorate the crisp, when we have a stocking, we have a stocking for her, you know, and I went to a counselor and, and one baby that we, you know, I didn't know the gender. They said, just give it a name. Get, what do you think it was? Give it a name. And that is kind of how you heal. One of from your, was it a miscarriage? You said you didn't know. Yeah, right. I didn't know. It was like, I don't know, 11 weeks or something, but 10 weeks. Three miscarriages and one stillborn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't know. And it's funny because my sister had had nine. Nine What? Mm-hmm. And so she had babies. She's had a lot of, I mean, she had, they said she'd never have some. She had some at 38, but um, no one ever knows why. I went to a specialist in, in, Tamp, in Jacksonville, um, Dr. Samuel Brown. He's amazing. He has different offices around Florida, but he believes a lot of miscarriages, especially repeated miscarriages are from microscopic blood clots. And especially if they're kind of habitual. And so um, they put me on all the blood thinners and all of that. And I never had any issues after that. And so for people who may have experienced multiple miscarriages, look into that. Just being on blood thinners, aspirin, things like that. And he's a, he has a son with special needs. So he's also a researcher. And he's just a big believer in um, these microscopic blood clots that people aren't catching that can be be, you know, possibly avoided by taking these, you know, the shots in your belly. And I did all of that. So, but I never had another miscarriage after that, after I went to him. Wow. And he actually got my sister to keep both of her babies then later. So So your sister had nine miscarriages before she actually had one full term. Yeah. She had some by gestational carrier and then she had um, her own later, just kind of surprise. And she went to this doctor and they were very aggressive in the treatment. And so that's why I say there's no, you know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And so to not get discouraged and you never know if the child that, you know, is supposed to be in your life is a result of an unfortunate loss. You never know if maybe you're called to adopt, maybe you're supposed to adopt. You just don't know. And so it took me a while to get to that point to understand, because obviously I was like, you know, why is this happening? And especially after Elizabeth, I, I mean, like I said, I couldn't get out of bed, but I think you just learn to, um, you know, you just learn to know that things will be okay. Like it will get better. There are other, like there's another journey. So for someone, say a mother in particular, who's on their own struggle or grief journey right now with their current situation with either like wanting to have children or having miscarriages or going through a loss like you've gone through or even losing a child as a little bit older, like how would you, what are some of the things that you did that helped you turn your grief into a beautiful tribute? Because I know you live with that every day, but like how did you turn it into something that was a beautiful thing for you? So I had her, like first I I had her footprints put onto some jewelry and I wore those a lot. Um, Stella and Dot, the jewelry company, you know, you can engrave great little bar necklaces. I had her name engraved on a necklace that actually just broke, but I had that, I wore that every day, all the time. Um, There's a thing where you name a star. It's like nameastar.com where you name a star in her honor. So I feel like she's looking down on me. I also think giving purpose and volunteering with people who are, in maybe a similar situation of loss, um, women who may you know need assistance, sometimes helping other people helps you overcome your grief. And I don't know what phenomenon that is, but for me, I worked with an organization, I volunteered with an organization called In Ministry in Jacksonville. And it was a home for women who wanted to keep their babies but had no support or they were in abusive relationships, they could come. And so right after that happened with Elizabeth, I. 
I just said, you know what, let's just, I'm going to put my effort into honoring my daughter by helping other women who may be struggling. And I just coordinated a little community walk. And then we donated all of those funds to this home so they could remodel their bathrooms. And I think kind of keeping busy is such a huge part of the healing process. Like take your time to grieve, but don't let it, you know, keep you in bed and prevent you from doing other things. So I do think for me, at least helping other people helped me kind of overcome that huge grief. How do your kids, your, your older kids who could probably process, how do they process it? So they went to the funeral. We had a little funeral and we released balloons and everything. And so those two, my older two who were like eight and I don't know, seven and eight at the time, maybe they kind of understood what would happen. What happened. My younger ones who either weren't born or just toddlers, um, they now know, and it's funny because on my door behind me, we just kind of talked about how it was the anniversary of her passing and they made her little cards and they stuck them to my door and they said, mom, we want you to know that Elizabeth still loves you. And she put it on my door. And so I think, I know, I think keeping her relevant, keeping her part of the conversation gives me kind of comfort as well, because it's just not like I lost the daughter and we never talk about her, you know, which was very taboo in kind of the 60s and the 70s. You didn't discuss that stuff. And so I think just talking about it and talking to other women about it kind of helps. And I'm sorry to keep harping on this because I, I want to talk about a lot of more. No, things. you've done such a good. You're you you're doing such a phenomenal job of turning it into something beautiful. How did you navigate this with your husband? Because I know that can be hard on a marriage too. Yeah, and I think they are. You know, I definitely. Even the other day, I was like, Nolan, do you know what day it is? And he was like, It's Christmas party day. You know, like it doesn't hit them as much, you know? And so you were connected to her for so long, you know? Right. Right. And he, you know, it it wasn't the same. I mean, he was there obviously in the room and everything, but I think for him, just him allowing me to do whatever I needed to do. If I want to order, I used to say I'm bankrupting myself on Etsy, just getting things named in her honor. And what, and he was like, are you sure you're going to do this walk? This is a lot of, you know, work and you just had the baby and you, he was away playing baseball. And I was like, yes, I I need to do the walk, you know? And it was just one of those things that you just, you have to have someone who is supportive of what you want to do and not trying to kind of tell you to do something else, you know, like it's okay. You don't need to do that. You know, if I feel like, listen, if my way to honor her is to walk around our church 50 times with some members of the community and have t-shirts made, that's what I'm doing. You know, and I think just channeling that loss into something that can benefit someone else is really healing. Because I think, you know, laying in bed and doing all of that, that's great for the first bit. But at some point, you have to regroup because, you know, if you believe that your daughter is or your child is somewhere else, they don't want to see you sitting in, you know, in bed and whatever. They want to see you living a life. So for me, that's kind of what helped me. So something that there's a lot of things that strike me about you very positively. Like I'm very inspired by you. Like you're sort of like goals for me in a way. Like how do you, you've been through so much, you've been through a divorce and you had two young children as a single mom. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to lay out some things I want to talk about and then you can talk about them how you want. So that's a huge chapter of your life. You got married, divorced with two young children. Now you're navigating. And I saw you kind of talking about how you became a personal instructor and you're able to take your kids. Yes. To but like everything that hits you that feels hard and overwhelming, I feel like you have come up with a way to make it 
work for you, to make it good for you, to make it a blessing for you, to make it a blessing for your child and the children in the best way possible. So that's a huge thing. Like getting, becoming a single mom at such a young age with two young children, like that's overwhelming. Like how did you navigate that? Well, and you know, I was the first person in my family to be divorced and I was only, you know, I was 24 when I got married, 25 when I had my first, 26. Yeah. And then I was like divorced by 26. You know, like I was very young. I was still in my twenties. And so I remember it was really hard and really rough. And I was in a city that wasn't mine. And um, I remember having, and my dad just happened to be there. And I was just having one of those days, like I cannot do it all. And I was on my floor just crying. And my dad, he like, who was not a man of many words and not an overly emotional guy either. He was five brothers, son of a military guy, doesn't show much emotion. And he said, Jenny, no one is going to do this for you. Nobody is going to fight your battles, but you, you have no other choice, but to make this happen. And for some reason, like that gave me the kick in the pants that I needed. Like, he's right. Like no one's going to fight for my children, but me, no one's going to pay my bills, you know, like no one's going to do this. And so, um, kind of at that point, I kind of did a little pivot. And even with coming from a family that most would seem would be well off, and I had a master's degree, I took on like a second job of teaching fitness classes. And because then it was a physical outlet for me, I could get paid to work out and my children would come to the YMCA and play with their friends, you know, and so I feel like in times of those really hard times, it's again, staying busy, like staying inside was just not what I could do. And I knew that this was temporary and I worked really hard. At one point it worked like three jobs. I was teaching full-time. I was teaching aerobics or fitness Zumba classes. And then I was like doing like the little premier jewelry parties when those were popular, like two days a week or something like, you know, back then. And so, but I worked really, really hard and I got myself out of it. And I still lived in like a nice little neighborhood and a little country club with a pool. But I knew to maintain that I had to rely on myself. And I think that that's just a huge lesson. Like you have to learn to rely on yourself. Cause as my dad said, like, no one is going to do that for you. And then I got remarried and you know, I how had the fight. Your new husband, how, not your new husband. How'd you meet Nolan? So we, it's so funny. Cause I always share this story. It's so funny. So I was, I was working at the time in, in sports media. Um, my undergrad is in PR and communications and journalism and my master's is in education. And so I, we had met three mutual friends, but then <laughs> we started to get to know each other over my, know each other over my space and our, our love kind of blossomed on my space. And I remember he put me in his pop eight on my space page. And that's where I left grew just right under you know, Chevy with the butterfly door. I was right in top eight with that song. And that is our romance story. But ultimately, I think, you know, we, we had very similar backgrounds. We had both parents had been married for a long time. We both went to Catholic schools. We both originally were from Pennsylvania. And I think, you know, learning that that common ground worked better than like where I was with my ex-husband where our backgrounds were very different. So our conflict resolution was very different. You know, I think that that's what I learned, the difference on kind of what works and what doesn't work. And so we have been married now. I always say this is kind of fun. So we had a baby before we were married. And so depending on who you ask, if you ask my 10 year old, we've been married 11 years. If you ask my, if you, the real answer is nine. So, you know, is what it is. But you know, I said the first time I did it all right and it imploded. And so this time we backed into it and, and it worked out. You know, I am such a advocate. I mean, 
I am such an advocate of just doing it your way. Like I have met so many incredible people with beautiful, messy, amazing lives. And it's like, there is no right way. I mean, you can do everything right. And like you said, it can totally blow up in your face. You can do everything right. And it can go right. You can do it all in a different wonky order, but like who made this order anyway? I understand like there's certain, I understand why things are put in place because it makes sense. But like ultimately it's your life. It's your heart. It's your journey. And so whatever feels like the right thing to do for you, that's it. In my opinion. Well, and it wasn't that and it wasn't even like a plan. It just kind of happened that way, you know? And so we just kind of rolled with it and it worked for us. And so, and here we are. And it's funny cause you know, now we have this big family of seven children. We met on my space, you know, like it's just a funny story. And is it, a little unorthodox, sure, but does it work? Yes. And so that's why, you know, I'm just a big believer in just kind of, I don't know, just kind of going with the flow. And I've learned now in my old age to just kind of, I always think that there's got to be a purpose or something in, there's a bigger story to be told. Your old age. Okay. Well, you're aging. I need all your tips. Like you're aging perfectly. Um, You are like you look like your oldest daughter. I saw you guys doing like dance <laughs> together and I'm like, first off goals, because I feel like you, and this is just from an outsider's perspective looking in, mm-hmm. I don't obviously know the ins and out of your household, but like, I feel like you are kind of that mom who enforces the rules. They know the boundaries, they know the guidelines, but then also you're their friend and you hang out with them and you do TikTok dances and you like, you know, you also have that friend vibe with them as well. Well, and this is what I said. I said, you know, I am a mom and I'm not here to be your best friend, but that doesn't mean we don't have a wonderful relationship. Mm -hmm. So we have high expectations. We have consequences for behavior. We have, you know, standards of like, no, you're not going on a vacation with your boyfriend to the Bahamas at 16, like some of your friends. Like we don't do those things. Like that's not what we're doing, but I absolutely will do every TikTok dance you ask me to do because that is parenting, that is bonding, that is, you know, we love to go shopping together. And I take my son, he's a baseball prospect to all these baseball tournaments and all of that. And so there is, I think sometimes people get confused. Like there are certain things in terms of a friend that you don't share with your daughter, you know, I mean, your children, you know, like there's, you know, things I share with my best friend that I'm certainly not sharing with my teenagers, but I think people get confused that, you know, maybe an authoritarian or disciplinary figure cannot have a close relationship with their children. And it's just simply, you know, not true. And I think one of the big things, and I advocate for this a lot is learn what your kids love to do and be part of that. Like they don't want to be part of of your world. Like no 13 year old wants to talk about bills and things like that. They want to do TikTok dances. So do the TikTok dances with them, you know, like, and they may not always want you to do stuff with them, but sometimes you have to force it because that I think now we're going on to parenting, but you know, you start to lose, you lose kids around eighth, ninth, 10th grade, you know, they don't want you around. So you kind of got to kick the door open sometimes and be like, you know what, we are going on a family adventure today or we're going on a fan you know they don't want any part of a lot of the family adventures but like we did goat yoga I take my husband on silly adventures but you know my teenage son was like mortified we were in New England and he's like we're doing goat yoga and then the videos of him are hysterical you know like he didn't want to do those things and then the other day as embarrassed as he is that I was doing TikTok with his sister he reposted us on TikTok he was proud of it 
he was proud of it. And then there was, we're talking to a TV producer right now and he's always, oh, we don't need to do that. And then some guys on his baseball team said, you guys are gonna get your TV show? You, you, Jack said you're gonna, you know? So it's kind of like, they're listening. They're, they watch what you do. And it, it was, you know, for as much crap as he gave me about the TikTok to see him repost that was kind of like, oh, he, he does like me, you know? And it's, you know, it's, it's normal for them to want to push you away. But I say as a parent, like, don't, there's a difference between, you know, not wanting to like come down and sit at the table and stuff versus retreating in your room to play video games all the time. Sometimes you got to pull them out, make them come up for air. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off, no dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian cocktail maker, it's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all natural bitters, so dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Gosh, I have so many questions flooding my brain right now. So I want to start with just like the testing because you've been such an advocate for that about how you do have these seven children and all of them are different needs. Educationally, they they learn differently. They are different people. Right. Tell me about testing and why that is so important. Okay, so I think people need to understand first. So I am a mother of seven, but I was a teacher and I do have the educational background to start noticing noticing things that maybe are red flags for little ones. And so uh, with my oldest daughter, when she was in kindergarten, there were just some things that, you know, she was struggling to get. And just in your head as a mom, it's one of those things like, 
is something going on or she didn't get enough sleep. And so I always say, when you start having those thoughts, that's where you go and get these tests. And the tests I'm referring to are called, they're called psych ed evals, psychological educational evaluations. And what those do is they typically, they get a history of the pregnancy and things like that. They test uh, aptitudes and they can do this at three, four, five. I mean, a lot of these tests can be done very, very early. Um, they can tell you what type of learner your child is, um, what their IQs are. Now, IQs aren't everything, but it certainly gives you a baseline of where your kid is operating from. So, for example, like my three-year-old daughter at the time, and I shared this the other day, super bright kid, overly bright, I mean, really bright, and I could see that, but also way more tantrums than what I thought the average kid should have, very grumpy towards people in public. And I, I shared this too. I almost thought she like, seemed like she was talking to dead people in a closet and just doing a lot of weird things. And so I tested her at three. And what it came out as, I tested her at a children's hospital in their neuropsychology department in Jacksonville. Her IQ was 144. So that let me know if average is 100, gifted is 130. This kid was at a 144. Mm -hmm. And IQ is not a knowledge test. I think people are saying, well, how do you know at three and four? It's aptitude, it's mazes, it's puzzles, it's what picture do you see here? It's not who was the 16th president of the United States. Right. And so what it also showed is that she had a lot of sensory issues. Mm -hmm. And so that impacted why it was such a struggle to get this kid dressed in the morning because she didn't want, she didn't want the seams of her socks to touch her skin. Um, oh. she, because she was so smart, she was anticipating strangers coming up at baseball games and in stadiums and saying, oh, aren't they cute or, you know, all of this. And she didn't want that, but she didn't have the verbal skills to do that. And so as kids get older, like I had my son tested for ADHD in first, second or second grade, first, second grade, I think. Again, it showed he was gifted, but it showed like he's an audio learner. Um, and there are all kinds of different learners. So like, for example, I'm, I'm a traditional visual learner. I'm very good at school. I'm very good at books. I'm very good at comprehending things I see. But audio learners, those are people who would prefer to um, hear things on tape have discussions with you, learn that way. Typically people who are really good in music are audio learners. People who can like pick up a guitar and play a song are audio. And then you have kids who are amazing with Legos and stuff like that. And so I always say, if you can imagine what school would be like for children as in early preschool and early elementary school, their parents know like, hey, this is the way this child learns. This kid has a little bit of an attention problem. This kid is actually gifted, but if she's wearing scratchy clothes, she may be thrown off with her learning. And so I said, like, for me, and I was in, my mom was a public school teacher. I got put in um, gifted classes in the first grade. So from age seven on, I was in all of these advanced classes with all of these activities and things like that, where in contrast, a very good friend of mine did not know her son had an IQ of 70, which is typically in the range, educably mentally handicapped, but presented well, normal kid, played soccer, but struggled his entire life. And so he school. might be getting in trouble. Say his parents are like upset with him. Like, why aren't you getting great grades? Or his teacher, teachers are like, why are, like, you know, he might, he might be getting pressure to be doing better in school, but really he's just doing the very, very best he can. This is cutting out. Hold on, it's cutting out. Can you hear me? Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, now I can. So what did you just, can you repeat what you just said? Yeah, I was saying, so that, that young child who had an IQ of 70, he might be 
Oh, is it cutting out again? It's, hold on, it's cutting out. I don't know if it's me. I can see you, you're working well. Okay, yeah, I can, okay. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, 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 hey. Hi. It's like spotty. How is it now? How are we doing? Now it's fine, now it's fine. Is it fine? Yep, it's fine. Okay. Okay, yeah. Still good? Okay, so I was saying to that child who had the IQ of 70, are we still good? Yep. Um, he might be getting in trouble from his teachers and his at home from his parents because he's not making great grades when really he's doing the best he can, but nobody knew that he was struggling. I think this is so brilliant. And I wish every child was tested. And you said something too, like, don't be scared of a label. It's not to put a label on you to make you feel bad about yourself as a child. It's so your people who are helping you to learn, like your parents and your teachers can help you help yourself. And this is how your brain processes information. No mother would look at a lump on a kid's neck and say, I'm going to wait a couple years to see how that develops, you know? And so you don't do the same with your kid's education or their learning because learning is a lifelong process, you know? And if your kid is struggling in kindergarten, first grade, and the kid who had a 70, I happened to go with his mom to the meetings because she didn't know. She's not in education. She doesn't know what's going on or the specifics of all of these different things in the educational system. And he ended up dropping out of school. And, and that is because he struggled his whole life in school. And not until eighth and ninth grade did they realize his IQ is here. How can he be measured to, to do the work up here when his brain does not allow it? You know, and so that's why I'm telling all these parents, it's never too late to get tested either. Like my husband was tested as ADD as an adult playing baseball. Um, It's never, ever too late. But if you are the parent who's questioning like, oh, I noticed some things. If you are asking yourself, is my kid okay? Get the testing done. And there are, you can go to um, school psychologists, every elementary, every public school system has a school psychologist available. They may not be there all the time, but they're there two or three days a week. And you may have to like battle a little bit in the public school system like hey these are my kids issues but typically if they're having issues their teachers see them too um you can go to children's hospitals and to neuropsychologists um private educational psychologists if you can afford it that's what i would recommend because they give the most in-depth testing sometimes it's a couple thousand dollars but to me that's an investment in your child's future like if you have to pick up an extra shift take some extra nannying jobs or whatever you need to do like for me like that is just something that you need to know how your kid learns because you can't, teachers cannot help your children if you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the blind leading the blind. And if you get something, I was talking to somebody the other day and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with this student. And then the mom says, oh, well, he was born at 27 weeks. Okay, well, that's a lot of development that did not happen in utero. Mm-hmm. And so those things are super helpful. So that's why I'm just such a big advocate in getting tests done for your children, even if adults, even if you are an adult who said, you know what, my whole life I struggled in school, I don't know, whatever. It's helpful for you to know because sometimes that becomes a relief for both the parent and the student. Because if you are trying your whole life and you're just, I'm just not good at school, it may be not that you're not good at school, your intelligence may be high average, average, whatever. Your brain is just processing information differently. Like. ADHD is a central nervous system processing disorder. It has nothing to do with how intelligent you are. So sometimes having a diagnosis is a relief in saying, you know what? I'm not stupid. I I just, 
you know, I actually am very smart, actually, like I'm high intelligent. And a lot of times there's all different tests that are done. So you're, you have like a verbal IQ and you have all these different IQs. And sometimes like if your reasoning is lower, but you're great at your verbal and communication skills, that offsets a lot of that and helps you cope. So then your treatment is learning how to verbalize what you need, you know? And so that's why I'm just, it, it's so much more than how well your kid does on a test. A test to me, like my daughter does not do well on standardized tests and here she's a straight A student at Alabama. It has nothing to do with that. It is basically, how do you learn? And once we know how you learn, how can we help you become better? So she uses this program called Quizlets. And it's this I was little- I ask you, how does she, she's in college, so how, if she knows that she's not great at test taking, how does she get around that? So there's an app that she uses called Quizlet, and she's been using it since high school or maybe even middle school. And it's essentially like you input all of the information and it creates flashcards and quizzes right on her phone. And it's just repetition and things like that. And so the work putting it in is an educational kind of study habit. And then, you know, the repetition and things like that really help. And, and I think people also, you know, if your child is planning on going to college, if you have all this documentation, they can receive the same services in college. So they can have people take notes for them. Now, my daughter doesn't use this, but I, I know kids who do. You can have people take notes for you, um, extra time on your tests, all this kind of stuff. So it's actually, you don't even have to have any kind of learning difference to know why it is helpful to have extra time in tests in college, you know, yeah. like, and so I think it's just, it's beyond, it is really about where you are at kind of intellectually. And I don't share that information with kids. And I should say that too. Like the kid who has 144 IQ, she doesn't know that, you know, the kids who, you know, they don't know what, I don't share that. I will say to them, you're a bright kid. Like, don't get down on yourself. Like you are a bright kid. Now, if you, if you had the child with a 70 IQ, I certainly wouldn't say you're low average. I would just stress, Hey, these are the, your weaknesses, but look at your strengths. You're great in sports. You're a talented artist. You combine all of these things. And so, I mean, and you can start this testing, you know, I mean, with my daughter, we started at three when we noticed some behavioral stuff. And certainly if you start in kindergarten and first grade and you notice your kids have either, maybe they're gifted, you know, like to schools don't just test your kids for gifted. That's typically something they don't do. The parents have to ask for it. Right? And it goes a lot quicker if the parents ask for it. So, you know, even if you have an average kid, just seeing where their aptitudes lie, like maybe you have a kid who's average intelligence, but they're super great in their verbal skills. Well, that kind of gives you a path on kind of where to guide your kid, you know? Mm -hmm. So this takes a lot of energy, Jenny. I mean, like this takes, do you have an, like an abnormal amount of energy? Because you have seven kids that you are very, very involved with and very um, hands-on. I know you said zone parenting, but you're hands-on. You're very in tune with what each child needs while you're being a wife, why you've had, while you've had all these jobs, while you wake up looking like a bombshell every day, like where does this energy come from? How do you not run out of juice? Because I find myself depleted so much. I'll tell you, and this is what I think. So, and I, people are always baffled by this. I don't drink coffee and I don't um, like caffeine. I think where I get my energy is I work out every morning very early. Oh, it says my internet's unstable. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I don't know why I said it. Um, so I work out every day at about five or 5.30. And I try to get myself taken care of before my kids are up. And so for me, you know, 
exercising in the morning builds your endorphins. It puts you in a better mood. It gives you more energy. And so honestly, I think my fitness, which is important to me just as a mom, because that is my time, you know, like that is the time where nobody needs me. I don't have to like worry about someone not being there, getting up or what I have to do for my kids. And so for me, getting up early and exercising for an hour. I either go to Pure Bar or I built a gym in my garage that actually got an HGTV. It was a fun little project, um, is, is how I get energy. And then I kind of, you know, you kind of rely on yourself. And I think when you, when you don't drink coffee and things like that, I know it's crazy because my, my mom and my sister are huge coffee drinkers. My energy kind of learns to run on itself. You know, like I don't have a lot of highs and lows with the exception of like cookie dough. Um, but I also, I'm pretty good at time management. So I have, I'll show you. This is, I use, this is the best calendar ever. It's from Target, the blue sky calendars, right? I put them on my desk. I'm a paper and pencil kind of girl. I love and that. And so every day I just write down who needs what, when, where I have to be. And so every day I just kind of check that and, you know, I'm good at, I'm good at time management, I think, but because I start my day early, maybe. Does every kid have their own color on your planner? Or how do you like differentiate? What did you say? I'm sorry. Does every kid have their own color on your plan? No, no, I'm not the color coded mom. I, I, I'm a huge believer in erasable pens. These are the best like erasable pens. Um, I don't need a different color code to tell me which kid is doing. I'm not that person. My sister is that person. I am not that person. So I, for me, it's just writing down and just kind of knowing what's ahead and knowing how to plan. I also think, and I tell women this all of the time who kind of get, lost in the rut of like being a mom and not taking care of themselves. You schedule appointments, schedule your workouts and things for yourself like you would your kid's doctor's appointment or a parenting conference. So like on every Sunday, I, I kind of plan when I'm going to work out because I need that for myself. I need, I need an hour to myself. And, and here's the thing, like however many hours there are in a week, I think mother's should be able to say, you know what, I would like four of those hours for myself. You know, like you dedicate so much. I mean, I don't even sleep and I still have kids at the bed, in the bed at night, crawling into the bed. Like I don't sleep very well, but God help me. Could I just get, you know, one hour, four days a week is all I'm asking. And I think that's important for moms to realize is that to be the best version of yourself, you have to, and help your kids, you have to take care of you. And if you are running on empty, how can you help your, your kids? I had a mini meltdown um, a few days ago because I just was feeling Sunny was needing me all the time, which I'm so grateful for. Like, I'm never not grateful to have this little life that I get to be a mother to, but like Sunny was needing me so much. She's like one, she's 15 months old. So she's like wanting to hang on me all the time, be with me all the time. Like, you know, feeding her, bathing her, changing her. It's 24 seven. I mean, you know, and it's awesome. But I finally was like, after like a few days of this with no break and it was just a phase where she wasn't going to Michael. Like she just sometimes has these like really intense yes. mommy phases. Right. And so I was like, I literally, I have no self care. Like I have no time for myself. I feel like I'm drowning. I feel just overwhelmed. And I totally agree with you. And that's when I started like going back to yoga and I'm like trying to make myself go three times a week because I'm like, right. I have to have a moment where I can go take care of myself be by myself. And it's not that I don't love being with my daughter and my husband all the time, but like you have to make this time or else your cup will just stay empty. And I get no, that. I, mean, I have meltdowns all of the time. Like <laughs> I have meltdowns. 
I mean, my husband is a retired baseball player. He's here all the time. I'm working from home doing design stuff or media or whatever I'm doing. My kids need me. I have meltdowns all of the time. And so that's why, like, I know I'm at my best when I can take an hour to myself. And also, like, I have a girl who comes during the week a few hours because my husband just – Husbands are husbands, you know what yes. I mean? Like sometimes yes. they are just not aware of yes. what needs to be. Like I walked out today and my husband is in like the gym in the garage and the kids are like on the street. And I was like, hello? <laughs> like I can't safely work if you are focusing on something else that's not our children. Um, it's unbelievable that, I mean, God, we love our husbands, obviously. But yeah, like, I love him. The way women multitask and see things and like, you, I feel like I have 57,000 eyeballs just like rotating around my head at all times. Like I have, I see the full spectrum of what's happening all the time. Of course, like I'm going to miss stuff and things are going to happen on my watch too. But like my eyeballs, it's just like, I'm, I'm 360 just rotating constantly. Men are not like that. I think that is just men. I mean, now I've been married twice. I mean, that's like, even like, like foods, like, no, that is way too much food for a three-year-old, you know, like stuff like that. And so um, for me to have a girl come in and I've always, once I started, I mean, even when I had two, I had someone come in and help me a little bit, just someone who could come and do laundry, help me with the laundry, like just let me breathe a little bit. And I think moms sometimes think like, it's like shameful or they feel guilty. Like that is not, that is like a lifeline. You know, like I've never had, I've never been fortunate enough in, in either one of my marriages to, to live in the city where my parents are. So I never had any help. So I had to have people come in and help me. And I have a wonderful girl right now who's 23 and she comes in and, and I call her my nanny assistant. She's great with the kids, but she also has a communications degree from Florida state and she loves the music industry and stuff. And, and so she helps me with a lot of media stuff too. And I think just having someone who, you know what, could you come for, you know, just, and you schedule that person, you know, I would like two hours of help, three days a week, laundry, picking up. I would like to go to the grocery store and the gym by myself. I mean, I think those are like small gifts mothers should be able to give themselves without feeling guilty because ultimately, and I found myself, I've read a lot about this topic. It's called the emotional burden of parenting, where it almost always falls on the mom. The doctor's appointments, when they need their vaccinations, who, you know, presents for the parties, like all of that always falls on the moms. And so having to maintain and mentally manage everybody and then do the physical work of the kids at school and, you know, who are, who are they running to when they need their mommy kind of situation and having kids hang on you all the time. Like I say sometimes, like, I just, I don't want anyone to touch me for an hour, you know, like, well, I've been telling Michael that lately. I don't want anyone to touch me. Sunny's become so touchy, touchy, which I love. But like I told Michael, I was like, when I lay in bed, it's not that I don't want to get sexy with you. Cause I do. But like, honestly, sometimes yes. I want to lay in the motherfucking bed by myself and take a nap or go to sleep. And I don't need anybody touching me. I know. No. And that's what it is. Like, and that's, I've read a lot about that too. That's very common in marriages, especially when people have young babies. Like it's not that we don't love our husbands, but I don't want anybody touching me right now. Thanks. I need my own space. I just want to be with myself. Yes. I know. Especially when you're breastfeeding, like no, thank you. (laughs) So how do you breastfed for like seven years straight? Like nobody, no, no. So how do you keep a, a marriage 
rocking with all these kids and all this responsibility. Cause I feel like you also do a great job of that. Like how, what is your formula for success with your marriage? For marriage, it's cutting in and out again. Oh, sorry. What is your formula? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Now I can. What is your formula for success with marriage with all of these kids? All of the I think, and I learned this through counseling first is the biggest success rate is um, conflict resolution. That's how you determine kind of the success of things. And I think resolving conflict is huge and being able to do that without name calling and grudges and things like that is huge in terms of like getting over little marital hiccups. And I think for me, like we don't get away a lot because I have five kids. I mean, I have five little ones and not a lot of people can handle that, you know? And so we try to do things as like a family a lot and it's not the same, but it is at least getting away and out. And like, even we're going away to, my husband and I are just taking my son to his baseball tournament in Florida next month. And he's 16. So a lot of that is by himself. So it gives us time to kind of hang out together, go to lunch together while he's playing games and things like that. And I think, you know, the dynamic certainly changes from, you know, the honeymoon phase and when you first get married to where you're surrounded by children. And so I think, first of all, discussing that things are just different. You know, it's not about love. It's just your dynamics are different. But then secondly, just, you know, we have done little getaways before, like just little weekend ones. And right now we're kind of swamped. But even going to these baseball tournaments, just he, did, he could have stayed home. But I'm saying, why don't you come, you know, and we will take him because when he's doing his thing, we can at least get lunch together and hang out together in the stands together. And so, and I think a lot of it is also being goofy and having fun. I mean, a lot of what we do is, you know, going to the drive through safari parks and laughing together as a family, which makes him more attractive than staying home all day. You know, like people are not designed to be on top of each other. And I think with COVID, you know, things are worse. And so I think just getting out and laughing together as a family kind of just, you know, lightens the load. Yeah, totally. How did you, uh, how long has he been retired? Because was there a time when you were kind of at home with all the kids and he was playing baseball? Yeah, I was, um, I always, so I stopped working my media jobs when I had my fourth and then we got an au pair. Um, We had au pairs. Oh my God greatest gift in the world because it was like 350 bucks a week for live-in childcare and it was phenomenal. Um, but still they had their days off. Moms don't get days off and the, you know, they kind of clocked out there certain times, but yeah, so he has been retired for three years now. Um, he played for 11, mostly for the Baltimore Orioles. And so, um, it's kind of that readjustment too, when they come back in and all they've ever done is sports. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like I came from sports town, sports families, but it's not unlike music families because it's like you're out on the road and you go to see them and it's so exciting. And then you're home and like, especially with all these guys not traveling now, it's just like, okay, and now what? Like, what do I do now that I don't have sports? Like, what is my purpose beyond this, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think a lot of those things kind of with music and sports are very similar in the lifestyle in though it looks very glamorous, but a lot of times you're by yourself and they're on the road and then you come home and it's a readjustment mm-hmm. of sorts and that. And so, and I think too, you know, sports is very short lived. Like what is the next phase? And for him, he doesn't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunate that he can kind of take some time off, but you know, I didn't marry Derek Jeter either, you know, like, like there's gonna, you're gonna have to do something at some point. And so I think kind of that is always difficult, you know, finding that next step. And when you have these kind of what seem to be glamorous careers, and then that's taken from you, then what, 
What you, who are you? Who are you without being able to hit a home run? Who are you if you don't have a hit song? Like, I don't know the yeah. ins and outs of music, but I, I assume it's very similar. Yes, yes. Yes, I know. And that's the thing. It's like, it is, there are some really glamorous parts of both of these industries and a lot of the entertainment industries, but there's also like some, the highs and the lows are very, very, very extreme and learning how to, am I cutting out? Yes. Is it you or me? I don't know. I can, I can hear you. Seeing if I can come out here. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I'm just going to see if I go out here, if it's any better. You're great, and I'm getting a tour of your house, too, which I love. So pretty. Your house. What? I said I'm also getting a tour of your house, which I love. Yeah, there's so the tour. Pretty. Yeah, it was, it's been photographed a lot already. I had nine trees up, and there's all kinds of stuff everywhere. But Okay, see, I'm mom failing. We have a t- we're moving right now, so I have a tiny tree up with no decorations. I'm like, Sunny's one. She won't remember, right? It's fine. Here, I'll show you the playroom. This is, this is what I'm most proud of if we're going to talk about moms and – Oh, I'll just, we'll just take in a tour real quick. Okay, great. Let's see the playroom. I'm almost done. Here's everybody in the playroom, if you can oh. see this. Can you say hi, everybody? Hi. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Wow. Creating a designated space for your children to go so you can be an adult is another tip. Yes, yes, yes. A playroom is really essential. Yes. Um, okay. So what are all the photo? What are, what is all your home getting photograph for? You said you're shooting a TV show. You're doing, you do work with HGTV. Can you tell us any exciting things we can be looking forward to? Well, so can we see, sorry, I'm just trying to get this done. Um, when we moved to Nashville in a nutshell, our house was featured as the dream home on property brothers because of some work that I had done to it. And so from there, um, I ended up, I don't have a design degree, but people just started asking me to do things. And I just did Chase Rice's basement gym and I remodeled his kitchen for him. And so that will be in some magazines and I have a writing contract with HGTV and styling and I'm home goods national spokesperson. So what? The, it just happened. Do you believe that about life? Like, I, I really believe that about life. Like, I think that like, obviously you work hard, you have goals, but then there's this whole other element of life that just sort of like flows in and it's like things just it sort keeps of like, cutting out. Oh, really? Is it cutting out again? Hello? Yeah. I don't think it's me though. Maybe not. Don't, I, don't, I don't know. I can do. <coughs> I'm hoping it's, I think I'm, I'm re- my- can you hear me now? Hello? 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 Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said, there's this whole thing of life where like you can work hard and you know, you have your goals and you have your ambition and you, um, you hustle, but then there's this other part of life. Like you said, where stuff just sort of like flows and like, you can't really plan for it. And it just sort of like happens. And I feel like that's sort of like the magic part about life where it's like, you look back and like someone could look at you and look at your life right now and be like, wow, how did she get all this stuff going? Like there's, it's so amazing, but you break it all down. And so much of it is your just hard work, your continued ambition, your hustle, your desire to be great and follow your passion. But then these other things just flow in. I think you just embrace it all. You embrace the chaos, you embrace the bad stuff, you embrace the good stuff. Um, you know, for me, it was just kind of like, I like to decorate. I don't have a degree in decorating. It's kind of like, you don't have to be you don't have to go to Berkeley school of music to be a musician. Like I didn't go to design school to do this. Like, and I remember when home goods said, you know, would you take on this role for us? I said, are you sure me? Like, 
me? Are you, I don't have, and they said, yeah. And so I think part of it is just doing what you enjoy. And then the other part is making sure that you take care of yourself and your family and you just brace that roller coaster ride along the way. Like I certainly, I mean, I have multiple meltdowns per week, but then I have multiple high points per week, you know, and it's just understanding that, you know, everything is temporary. This too shall pass. Like anytime there's a bad thing, I said, you know what, in two weeks, this will be fine. Or this project is over then, or just, uh, holidays is super busy for me because it's media and some of the influencing stuff and it's crazy. And I said, but you know what, come January 2nd, I'll be fine. You know? So I think it's just keeping things into perspective. My mother gave me great advice and she said, don't project, you know, don't project what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't project what's going to happen two weeks from now. Just kind of do what you can today and just kind of be good. My grandmother said, do the best you can and forget about it. I love that. Do the best you can and forget about it. Right. I love that. Sometimes I get lost in an emotional mess of feelings and I'm like, I'm tired of that. I've got to get more of a, your mentality. I feel like you're more like, okay, let's have our moment. Let's feel it. Let's cry it out. Let's melt down and then moving on. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I, that kind of came with age though, you know, like, I mean, truthfully, that's not how I operated in my twenties. Um, but now I just know that everything always works itself out. It really does. Like it always works itself out. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. And you might as well not just sit around and be moping and obsessed and upset about it forever. Deal with it. Do the best you can make the best decision you can in the circumstances you're in and then move on. Right. That's kind of how I operate. I love that. Jenny, I love that. Gosh, I could just talk to you forever. You're so excited. We'll do that again when we, we'll have another, we'll have a play date with Sonny and Asher, the little ones. I love that. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find you. And you told me how to pronounce your name. It's Jenny Rymold, but you spell it. It's, it's at Jenny Reimold on Instagram, J E N N Y R E I M O L D Jenny Reimold. I love it. I love it. Gosh, you're just full of, and the thing I'm loving about your Instagram is you are just sharing awesome tips about all of this that we've talked about. I mean, you're fun. You got fashion tips, you got design tips, you got style tips, and you got parenting tips. You've got marriage tips. You got all the tips. I try to keep it like 100% real to who I am. And that's not like a catchphrase. And I think for me, as I always say, I have the liberty to be more honest because I don't rely on this. If Instagram ended tomorrow for me, I might be relieved. You know, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to tell you about my camel toe proof thong. You know, like (laughs) you you should start your brand. It should be called just the tip. Because you're offering all the time. They can go in that other direction too. But um, you know, I just, I feel like I just share what is me and that's me. And this is what you get. So sometimes you get parenting and sometimes I'll tell you how to prevent camel toe and a pair of leggings. I love it. I mean, we need to know all of it. I mean, I all of it makes all of it life information. It's a well-rounded life right there. Yeah. Um, okay. I always end my podcast with leave your light. So what do you want people to know? Wow. That is a big question. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go back to kind of what my grandmother said is do the best you can with what you have and with what you know, and then let it go. You can only do what you are capable of doing. Don't try to do too much. Don't cut yourself short either, but just live in the moment, do what you think is best for yourself and then move forward. I love that. I love that. Okay. My one last question, just me personally, because son is now 15 months old. When do you think children should start school or mother's day out? So I always started at three, but with Asher, my youngest, I started him two days a week at two. 
It was just okay. four hours. I was feeling like two was a good time. Okay, so, okay, great. So like, you, know, you know your kid, you know? Like I, I, I know my kid and my kid as the number seven of seven, super social, he was ready to go. Grace, my oldest was super social. And so I think, you know, I wouldn't put them in super full days if you don't have to, but you know, two years old, two days a week, a couple hours to meet some friends. And then this year he's in three days, three days a week. I feel like Sunny is just ready for stimulation and I feel like she's ready to learn. Like she is yeah. so busy and she wants to do stuff. And I'm like, I'm just not that mom who knows how to create all these sensory board activities. And like, I'm not, I hated school. I mean, I should get myself tested. I hated school. I was never good at school. Like I'm more about feelings and let's talk and let's hug. And can I hold you and like make you feel right. loved and right. like, when she gets older, of course, I'll talk to her about her feelings and all that. But like, I'm not like, oh, let's do an arts and craft project. Like, well, I don't when even. Have you to get moved in. I will come and help you design a little space for her in your house, and I'll show you how you can do those things in your house where you are not like, okay, we're going to sit down and do arts and crafts right now. But how they can do it independently in terms of their emotional and developmental brain activity. Oh, amazing! Because we're building her a little playroom, and I would. Yes. Love that. And I, I will absolutely be taking you up on that. And yes. I will absolutely be taking you up on getting advice on when to get her tested probably yes. like three or so. Okay. You you're my new go, go to guru person. I hope that you are excited that I'm in your life because I'm not. No, I, that's fine. I, I, it's funny because I, I was telling my daughter, somebody before, hold on, sorry. I was telling um, my daughter before I said, you really like her. And I, I followed you on Instagram for a long time, just because I thought you were funny and you were real. I remember when you were breastfeeding and you were like, listen, if you don't enjoy this, then just move on. And I remember like, I, I respect that about her. Like, she's just telling you how it is. Like, listen, I'm going to talk about breastfeeding my baby. And if you don't like it, please feel free to move on. Yeah. Well, and that's I I need you in my life because I tend to fall down an emotional rabbit hole, hot mess express lane where I need to yes. like learn how to be more like, okay, I'm having a feeling, I'm having a little bit of a meltdown and now I need to like move on. Like your grandmother said, move on, do the best I can. Do the best you can and forget about it. I That's what we're thinking everybody can. Do yeah. the best you can for that day and let it go. That's like the best mantra because I tend to stay swirling in feelings and it's not helpful at all. And so no. I love your philosophy. My grandmother lived till she was 95 years old, married 50 something years, raised a great family. And she, that was her big thing. And so I think it's super helpful. Like you can't do what you can't do, you know, and you can't. The best you can forget about it. And then also seek help. Like, right. me, like talking to you, I'm like, okay, you are offering me information that is helpful to me. So like, if you have outlets to seek help and like guidance, like, take those, you know, yes, and don't be afraid of therapy either. Like therapists are like trained. They're like friends with great advice. Like a lot of my good advice comes from going through therapy after I had a divorce, after I lost a child, when I was stressed out earlier in the year, like I went to a therapist this year cause I was so stressed out and it was just talking to a good friend who is, you know, able to give you better like life tips. I love it's it. Painful. Jenny, I'm so happy to have you in my life and I think you're amazing and I'm so inspired by you. This was such an incredible interview. You're such an amazing woman in so many ways and thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll talk soon. I'll be okay. over there designing little spaces for something. Oh, I can't wait. I'm seriously so excited. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.